listening to a collection of interviews conducted on arts and culture on The Morning Mixtape with your host, Nicole DiDonato. Listen live every Tuesday morning at 9.15 a.m. on CGRU 12.80 a.m. in Toronto or stream it online at CGRU.ca. Welcome to Arts and Culture on the Morning Mixtape. I'm your host, Nicole DiDonato. Right now, I'm joined in the studio by Jason Kaus and Wes Marskell of the Darcys. The Darcys are a Toronto-based alternative pop duo. Their 2013 album, Warring, was nominated for a Juno Award for Alternative Album of the Year and was a long-list nominee for the 2014 Polaris Music Prize. The duo recently released their album Centerfold via Arts and Crafts, which features 10 shimmering songs that pull together glossy production and airtight hooks. Hey guys, how's it going? It's great. It's really it's great. I always <laughs> what are you guys laughing about no, over there? <laughs> I always wonder how when people do early morning radio spots, how they have so much energy, like radio hosts and stuff. But I think it's just this cr- manic, manic craziness energy, yeah. that, it's not even that early, but I mean for... For us musician types, it is. Jason was DJing over his behind his back with those with those CD DJs over my head, you know, <laughs> kind of like, like Jimi Hendrix style Crazy. guitar behind the head. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff going on. Yeah, I feel you. It's hard. It's definitely hard to be energetic in the morning, but you get used to it, so it's okay. I was um, asleep in the waiting room, so I don't know if I, I would ever get used to it. <laughs> true, true. I feel you. I feel like I'm more of a night bird anyway, like a night owl than an early bird. So you know. Anyways, well, I wanted to kind of start off by uh, talking about how uh, the Darcy's first started. Oh, wow. Well, Wes and I have known each other for a very long time. Too long. It's been way too Many, long. Too, too many years. Uh, but, I mean, we started playing music together in high school, and it was just kind of, you know, something that we experimented with to stay busy. And, like, we did a lot of uh, weird recording projects way back then, and, you know, over the years, we just kind of kept at it and it changed face many times and our you know creative direction has morphed in many different forms and you know I was uh, expelled from university in my first year and I had to go to a different university it's a long story but I did nothing wrong and <laughs> and uh, and so when I moved out to Halifax where Jason was going to university we sort of started I guess like a bar band because we really thought that we would meet girls and get free beer and it would be like the greatest the greatest time of our lives. Turns out we weren't wrong. Yeah, Completely. but it, got, it morphed into a lot of. Yeah, well, the initial charm wore off, you know. We were studying like, uh, well, the program's called Contemporary Studies Program, so it's like critical theory of the 20th century, it, mm-hmm. very kind of uptight philosophy type stuff. And then when we finished school, we kind of had all these super critical things going on in our heads, and we just took it off of school and applied it to music and all of a sudden we were in the studio a couple months later and we just started thinking about our music in deconstructing in every way possible and that kind of led us down this path of this like kind of art rock sound that we pursued for a couple records. Which meant less girls and less beer. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, I really love your sound. You actually just answered my second question. I was going to ask how did you kind of develop your sound, but um, it's kind of cool how it kind of all came out of like what you learned in school. I think that's really like an interesting kind of thing or how it like made you think about music in a different way, I guess. Um, and so I kind of want you guys to take me through uh, your songwriting process. How does that work with the two of you guys? So we basically like fight for the first 20 minutes about something that's not connected to the song whatsoever. Um, as sort of like a, an emotional cleansing 
activity. It's a warm up. And then, and then, I, well, we've been writing a lot recently. We, we have a bit of a project that we're working on. And it's been pretty fluid. I think we usually try to, we used to start with uh, some sort of production, like a, a bass line or a drum beat, which is a lot of the centerfold songs. And these new songs are more, the, the songs themselves aren't any less fun or whatever than those songs are, but they start at a more basic level of like a Rhodes or like a guitar. And we just try to flush out the melody. I think that's a, a thing that we always look to as a test of a quality piece of writing. Like, does it stand up without all the bells and whistles and the whole thing, you know? Because I think that all that stuff is great and very important, but you want to make sure that if you end up having to sing a song just, you know, at a radio station, morning spot, you know, <laughs> just a guitar and one voice, excuse me, and just one voice, that it's going to hold up and it's still going to be powerful. And so it's not really worth dressing something up that doesn't have that kind of core quality to it especially if you listen to a lot of modern pop music it's essentially just the vocal like they could be acapella at this point like it's just a, a kick drum or like one synth and then the melody carries the whole thing through i think that's such a funny thing about pop music a lot of people like to think or at least it was an attitude for for a long time when we were working on records that pop music was almost like stupider than you know i don't know art music or whatever but Art music. <laughs> you listen to something like where that Ariana Grande thing she put out last year, the video of her singing the song acapella. It's like that is incredible writing because just the voice alone tells the story of the song and puts you in the mood and, and like transports you, and, and that's really hard to achieve. And so that's something that we definitely aspire to, not necessarily to be like Ariana Grande, but I mean, to have I, that quality of speak for yourself of craftsmanship in the, in the whole thing. It's it's a challenge, and it's. I think of, I think that when you really understand something, you can explain it to anyone, if that makes sense, and you can break it down really simply. And the irony being that it sort of takes a genius to be able to write a song that is so simple that anyone could just digest it on the basic level. And I think that's sort of the caveat of writing complex or sort of artistic music is that it alienates a huge portion of the population because they don't understand it and if you're writing something uh and and that's sort of in the place we are now where you're writing something that you want it to be a little more populist then i think it needs to be uh, it needs to be essentialized and break down on a really simple to a really simple place and that's i think sort of where we're at now in realizing that to make simple music you have to somehow be amazing at it and then reduce it all the way back down which is sort of an irony in the whole thing yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, because I think that um, writing, I feel like everyone always tries to overdo it, like whether you're writing like an essay or whatever it may be, because it's hard to write stuff that's simple. Like it's it's harder than it looks. You know what I mean? I remember when I was, I, I got some articles published in university and the big thing that the editors would always say is that um, you fall in love with a paragraph or part of your writing that you think is so wonderful, but often removing those paragraphs are what makes the whole piece a lot better. I think when you're in a band, you're like, well, this section's amazing. But it's like, well, you don't need that. It doesn't help. You just love it. It's sort of, and if you're trying to essentialize or edit something for a certain sphere, then those are those moments when it really matters and you can take those things out. Then on the other side, if, if you don't care about having a song on the radio and you're just trying to make some sort of flowing artistic piece, then it doesn't matter. But I think that when you get really precious about certain things, is when it becomes really difficult to not overwrite and not, because you end up trying to connect that part in or like create a new chord structure in which it bridges back into the song and you end up in a really convoluted place. And when you hear these like amazing pop songs, 
these days it just they seem so effortless and like just mm-hmm. somebody just did it in two seconds and it's just so wonderful and that's been a major shift for us because the way we made previous records wasn't with that in mind it was about its complexity and its textures and its you know references to you know cinematic you know landscapes that we were imagining or, or references to, to novels and stuff like that and this kind of newer era of stuff i think for us is like uh, an act of simplifying and trying to be way more direct and it's you know, it's a challenge but it's been super rewarding I think we only kind of got halfway there. Like when you think of like Selena Gomez and then you think of like our last record and then Centerfold's like not even halfway between those two things, right? So it's a, it's a difficult process. For sure. But the fact that you guys are like aware of it and like working towards it, that's a great thing. And I really loved your album Centerfold. I kind of want to shift gears now and talk a bit more about that in specific. Um, so what was your goal with this album? Did you have a goal? Well, I've never had a goal in my entire life. <laughs> like, what, okay, so then what were, what do you think were maybe the common themes or ideas on the album? Well, the goal, the, when we, when I, I wrote this article for the Huffington Post about um, changing our sound and slimming down to a two-piece, if you will, and I think that the whole idea was to um, push ourselves as writers and producers and the creators to do something different, and I think that didn't want to fall into the rut of making a part two version of a record that came before. And so to do that, I think you have to really get out of your comfort zone and push yourself so far that you feel like maybe you're doing something different. And even now when we're writing, it's like, we would never do this. This is not, it's almost like you try to create something or an idea that you wouldn't do and try to see if you can make yourself like it so that you feel like you're really pushing yourself. I think it's important to be uncomfortable in the creative process because that's how you end up trying really trying new things not relying on you know we've been writing songs recording music for years so like we have a lot of tricks up our sleeve that we can easily go back and oh this is a good way to get another chorus it's a good way to do that or get the sound or whatever but like we've done them so we have to set ourselves up i i believe in a place where we're not sure we don't know how to achieve this goal we can't even say exactly what the goal is we just need to find our way there and then all of a sudden you're you know, experimenting and coming up with things and watching documentaries and reading about how other people do it and just trying to synthesize your own, you know, way of getting there. And that's that's where I think new things come from. And yeah, we're, you know, aiming towards this uh, more pop landscape, but at the same time, you know, you still want to create something new every time you do something. You don't, we don't want to make a Selena Gomez song. Uh, we well, want to make... Again, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, you want to you wanna forge your own path and that's... You know, that that's the difficult thing to do. Of course. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that, yeah, challenging yourself and kind of always trying new things is like, I think the best way to succeed in the music industry because there is so much of, you know, everyone, like pop is obviously a very popular genre. Um, and of course, like, I think it's hard to stand out in a genre like that, especially. But I think with you guys, the fact that you were able to challenge yourselves and you try different things in your songs, it um, obviously sets you apart from the rest. So good job with that. Um and so I kind of wanted to talk a bit more specifically about a couple songs on the album. Um, but before that, um, I was wondering, how do you think that your album Centerfold is different from your older stuff? I know you guys kind of talked about how, um, I guess, you tried to challenge yourself more, do things that you're not comfortable with. Um, but like in terms of like the themes and maybe the genre or the style of music you're making, how is it different? Well, I think that the it was intentionally simpler and we tried to keep 
Again, it's all referential. Like now that we're writing right now, you look back on that record, Centerfold, and it seems so like convoluted at times. And there's like a lot of stuff going on in certain moments. When you thought in the moment, like when you're writing something in the moment, you think it's you're really achieving the the idea that you've pushed yourself into and that it's simple or whatever. Um, and I think that the idea was to create something that had a lot more movement than what we've been doing before that had some sort of energy. We really wanted the live show to, like I wanted to go and party every night. And I wanted to create a record that allowed us to go do that. And I was sort of sick and burnt out of playing these sort of difficult songs that were somber and that created this mood and atmosphere in a live setting that wasn't where I wanted to be every night. And which is great for some people that come once a year or twice a year. Mm -hmm. But for you, every night, just slogging through those songs gets a little bit disheartening. And so we wanted to create something that had a little more fun to it. Um, and then also this sort of idea of escapism was like a big theme and just trying to get out of the city. We were writing a lot in the winter um, a few years ago and just thinking about how wonderful it would be to be in California or to move to the desert and play golf all day and whatever. So I think that um, one of the big things beyond simplifying music and trying to create this fun atmosphere was to try to write lyrics that had um, a more understandable or relatable content than before. And I think that a lot of the lyrics were so abstract on the earlier records that you could kind of, like, they were so abstract that they weren't universal to the point where, like, you would be like, I don't know what that song's about instead of feeling like, oh, I think it's about this or I can connect to it about this. You're just like, I don't know what they're talking about. We so. always think about it in terms of atmosphere and if warring is, like, you know, a kind of post-apocalyptic or, you know, like, you know, desert plain centerfold is LA nights or, you know, a, a trip down the highway, you know, past the Grand Canyon and, you know, skeezy motel and whatever. And I think that we just wanted to kind of have that, that adventure and that, you know, ocean breeze and that fun and that lightness to it. I mean, there is a lot of inherent darkness in that journey and in the things that you discover, mm -hmm. you know, upon arriving there, it's not all fantastic, but if for us, it's more about the optimism of about the road trip. And I think a lot of them are driving songs and a lot of them are, you know, like the, the kind of thing you want to put on when you're getting ready to go out or when you're coming home after like a, a wild night. We just wanted to like live in that world a bit and also moving to being a two piece. We had to, you know, have a certain level of reinvention for us to keep us excited and to be like, wow, I can't wait to play this or play this show. And then now that we've been on tour, we did a, across Canada a bunch of US shows in the fall and it was like once the record was out people knew the songs people are singing along people are dancing we're like wow every single night we're like how do we keep the energy up like how can we rearrange the set list and morph these songs together and all of a sudden it's taking on this totally new life on stage mm -hmm. and now that we're back in the studio it's like how can we work with that more? Like, how can we make the show more engaging? How can we make the show way more fun for us? And how can we have freedom to walk around the stage and, and play with more things? You know, it's like, I feel like there's new opportunities every time you come into like a different kind of approach. Yeah, for sure. And again, I think constant like reinvention, um, yeah, not only keeps your like fans and your listeners engaged, but also, yeah, you guys, like you said. So that's awesome. Um, and now I wanted to talk a bit more about your song Miracle. So this is definitely one of my favorite songs um, on the album. So uh, what's the story behind this song? Do you remember? 
it was one of the first demos. Like we had this goal to do seven thousand, a million totally ten, produced ten demos, million songs, and uh, I think we got to fifty or sixty. Although the number is constantly fluctuating. It's a hundred. I think it's at a hundred. Miracle was one of the first, maybe the second. Is the third? Is the third song? Third song, yeah. and it was kind of a we were in a way writing it for ourselves as this mission statement towards what we wanted to do because sometimes you kind of have to say it out loud to to really know and, and, to, and to move forward and uh i mean the weird thing for us is we were like okay this is our kind of first step into this we're going to write so many more songs and so many better songs did, did you uh see the movie arrival have you seen that movie i haven't seen that movie in the movie you don't like they can't understand how to talk to the uh aliens and and then sort of as you figure out what they figure out, you start to figure out the movie. Like, it's sort of, mm-hmm. the two narratives sort of collide at that point. And I think that the irony with that song was that it was almost this joke we had about putting all of our stock into one song as the first single to take this chance and reinvent ourselves. And then so lyrically, the song was about doing that. And it was just mm-hmm. a sort of, like, almost like a pump-up jam for us to be like, we're doing this, this is what we're doing, here's... And then we tried to turn the metaphor into something that felt a little more... Um, universal than like I don't know what the chorus would be if it was like you're going to write a pop song and it's going to be great yeah. <laughs> so we tried to sort of essentialize it at that point but it was like yeah it was sort of a very sort of ironic uh, turn for us where you're sort of writing about the process of writing a song for the radio. But it's just funny after writing so many other songs it all came around that that was the first song that you know between us and our friends and our team everyone was like this is the jam let's do this. So we got okay. worse at writing songs because it was an early early yeah. batch <laughs> no you guys are awesome i love all i love all the songs on the album honestly they're all so great um it's hard to choose a favorite but yeah miracle definitely does stand out and um i really love uh, the music video for it as well i thought it was a uh, really interesting and fun and light and cool um so why did you guys try to represent this song in that way for the music video well i mean the, the power suggestion is really strong we wanted to you know continue to it infuse it with that kind of 80s throwback thing and so we just wanted to play with some some references to films that we loved and it was one of the first time it was the first time that both of us were in a music video i really wanted to connect with kevin bacon as well i wanted to find a way that we could reach out to him and like have some sort of discourse and so when he was all like music video is great and like retweeted it everywhere i was like mission accomplished (laughs) we really did this Nice. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it was really great. Really well done. Um, yeah. And so another song I want to talk a bit more about is Coming Up For Air. Um, so what inspired you guys to write this song? That's a great question. You know when you work and work and work on something and then after the moment's gone, it sort of um, you end up listening or hearing how other people interpret the song and then that sort of becomes part of how you remember the song because it's sort of not yours anymore like when you write a song and it's just two of you however you feel about it or whatever you want it to be about is so true to that moment but then when you put it out into the world people start to make these assumptions and then you hear oh that song's about this and then you kind of feel like you've lost the song totally and it mm-hmm. belongs to everyone else um but i can't i don't know if we can really talk about what that song's about i think that's on the air. fun of Oh, probably a lot of songs out there is that if you knew the true meaning it it would either 
illuminate something <laughs> quite wild. It's in the like or, side to side realm. Or totally <laughs> ruin any any uh I did magic d- that it might have, but I did definitely tell somebody exactly what that song's about and I don't know if they like that song anymore. Or they love it more. I can't really tell. (laughs) That's interesting. That's a really interesting point, though, because I think you're right. I think especially, too, when... um, I think a part of the beauty about music, too, is that um, people are able to have their own interpretations. And I think that... um, yeah, that they're kind of able to, you know, because everyone has different life experiences. Everyone, you know, thinks of different, every word has like a different meaning in different contexts to different people, right? So I think that um, maybe it's smart that you guys don't want to explain more in depth about it, but I think that um, it's kind of cool to leave a bit of it to the well, imagination. Well, that's one of those things, like, it, it's almost like a misheard lyric issue. Sometimes, like, people develop a relationship with the song because they think it's about a certain thing or a lyric, even if it's not correct the way the artist wrote it that's what they believe it is. And then when you change that, it kind of turns everything upside down. And so it, maybe things are better left. Uh, also, you told yeah. me before we went on air that there's certain things we can't talk about, and I don't think we can <laughs> talk about this. Uh, um, awesome. Well, uh, another okay, another song I wanted to talk a bit more about is um, your song, San Diego 1988. So uh, I really liked the mu- the lyric video for this. It was really, uh, it was really interesting. Um, I liked it. So, yeah, can you tell me a bit more about this song, like how you guys wrote it, how you developed it? Uh, no. Okay. No, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm going back, trying to think of all the songs. Um, that first of all, the music video was so fun to make. We made it in about an hour and a half, and had conceived of the video probably three hours before that. Like we need a smoke machine, a leather vest, a guy with a camera, or a girl. It was a guy in the end, and uh, and another smoke machine and two plants, <laughs> and like we'll we'll have a music video. And I I was thinking we were sort of imagining. Um, early like 90s wrestling when they used to before they would go wrestle they would be in the change room like the locker room and they, one guy would be like the hype guy another guy would like the manager would like sit in the <laughs> back corner and it was funny how I was just like I'm not going to do anything the whole time and it's weird how that became a big part of that music video like my yeah. lack of interaction with the music video became like more engaging than Jason doing so much work the whole time yeah so if you haven't seen it it's you know our Darcy's neon sign in the back and the lyrics across the bottom and I'm kind of lip syncing and acting it out to a certain degree yeah and Wes is in the back arms crossed staring down the camera uh no expression and although I'm way more animated like all the comments we get about it are like what's going on with Wes I keep waiting for him to move or like to jump out and kill you or like what's gonna like there's so much tension in his face in the whole thing and so you know, there, that's not something that we planned too much or, you know, had a lot of uh, intended outcome. It was just... I had some designs. I had in, some ideas. <laughs> us in the moment trying to figure out a way to represent that song kind of last minute. And I'm, I'm glad it worked out. But. I think yeah. that that song, when we were like in the the deepest part of our sort of like California road trip metaphor, and I think that um, just the idea of rolling up to somebody's house and just being like, we're just... We're gonna. We need to not be here anymore. We need to just go somewhere else. I think it's a very universal thought, even if it's not a realistic thought. It's often people want to get away or escape from certain things, and and that was just trying to essentialize that thought. And uh, it's kind of one of those moments, like the elevator pitch. You know, if you run into someone or you meet someone, that's like a love at first sight kind of 
moment and you're like, what are you, what are you going to say? What are you going to do mm-hmm. to like make something happen here? And realistically, if you're like, I got this sweet old car at the end of your driveway, like, let's drive to California. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you know, yeah. like that's a that's a good offer on the table. So, I wonder what the conversion rate would be. Like, how many people would be like, okay, I'm not doing anything forever. I'll just come. <laughs> I don't know. That's running away. <laughs> Interesting question. I'm Jason's not sure. the only person that'll go with me on the trip, so. So, yeah, unintended consequences, and yeah. that's all. <laughs> We've now been to San Diego together. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but, yeah, I really I really did love how, um, yeah, the video turned out. I think it was really interesting. And, yeah, it's just, like, because you're not used to seeing someone who just, like, doesn't have an expression or isn't doing anything so I think that that was like very different and I think it was a really good way to kind of represent that song for sure it was I think it was oddly uncomfortable as a video like I think people it made people uncomfortable yeah and (laughs) and that was sort of the point just like how weird it would be and uh, but it's just funny how how you put something out there with sometimes you realize when you think some about something less people actually can think about it a lot more because when you nitpick at all this stuff it sort of makes the point really clear, and then people try pretty much understand what's happening. And with that one, there is no, like, it's so basic that it allowed people to really sort of go after it and, and, and have these opinions on it, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to uh, what Jason was saying earlier, how um, you kind of, when you're in the creative process, it's it's important to kind of just let things go the way that they're going to go. You shouldn't plan too much, I think. I think that that's kind of a part of... Um, like the beauty of making music and just being involved with something creative because you are able to kind of be more spontaneous and try new things and yeah, not think about it too much to the point where it loses its meaning or it, or, or its uh, significance or whatever. Yeah, in those moments, it's helpful to know yourself and know what your kind of end goal is, even if it's not super specific because that way you know things just fit, these fit things fit into our greater aesthetic. And so, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, as we're writing now, with Centerfold, we created a box in which everything had to fit inside. Um, and with this new stuff, we've shrunk the size of the box. So it's not about, it's about limiting yourself in a way that makes you creative. So everything has to do a certain thing or the goal or the the end is this thing. Mm-hmm. And then you can do anything. When I think when you have absolute freedom, it's very limiting because you're like, because you I, I remember anything. we were working on a video or something, and they were like, what do you want, like, the CGI to do or something? And you're like, I, I don't know, what is CGI, like, what can you do? <laughs> and, the, and then like you, anything. Anything. And you're like, oh, and you're like uh, I, I don't, don't know. know, like, what do you want to do? Like, and it, and it puts you in a place where... And so I think, yeah, those things creatively are really helpful, you know, if you're like, okay, this is the song, this is the idea, I hear it as being, you know, more driving and fast and rock, or, or this is a disco-type feel song, this mm-hmm. feels like the Bee Gees, okay, like, let's channel that because then if someone brings in an idea that's completely out of left field it's not that that idea is bad and it's not that we shouldn't explore that Wait, all those ideas weren't on a, bad on a different day <laughs> feel so much better but we're now. trying to do this bg's feel song so let's just see that through first and that kind of gives you a bit of clarity in the things that you you know the things that come on the table and, and what you work with and I, I don't know i think that just like kind of keeps us rolling and, and nowadays it's just you know i think you know in your somewhere uh if it's good or not you know like we were sending out a song the other day and i was like I just the bridge is not good i knew that and then the first note like we got back was this bridge is not good and you're like i knew that mm-hmm. and you and you, sometimes you don't want to tell yourself you don't want to admit to it but you usually know and i think that is true for a lot of things in life 
And so now it's just like, is this good? No, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, there's no point in trying to make it good. It's just not good. Yeah. And so having, being more confined to our processes allows us to actually think it better and write a better melody. I think there's a, a creative maturity there too where you're not, you don't feel like everything maturity. you do is worth so much. It's like an idea comes and goes, and sometimes you have an idea that you really care about, and that's great. You can save that for when you need it. But like you know, something like this this part doesn't work. Okay, let's do another one. Let's just you can you get eventually you get good at cycling through and just coming up with more options. And I think that and getting, uh, that kind of flexibility is something that uh, I think has been super helpful in our process. Mm-hmm. Instead of every single time someone has an idea working on that one idea for a week until it fits or doesn't fit in the song and then having a meltdown about it is, like, not worth it. I also also think it's a confidence thing where you just believe, well, I'll just do something better. Not, I have a finite amount of, you know, creative output and this is a really good idea and I won't top it or I can't do better, I have to use it. It's just like, well, I can write a better chorus, I can write a better verse. There's no limit to this process. And And then it's those deliberate strokes that you see in some artists, you know, painters or, or filmmakers or, or musicians where it's just like the simplest idea but it's mm-hmm. with such conviction that you're like this is a strong thing like a lot of people wouldn't do that because it's just it's, it's, it's so focused in what it is but they're like I'm this is my idea and and I trust myself and here it is and deal with it and a lot of the time those are such powerful pieces yeah no for sure I think that that's such a good point um and yeah, I think that the like when you're able to kind of let go and not hold on, that obviously helps a lot, as you guys were saying. So that's good. And I think it also does come with time too and experience because obviously like when you're first starting off, I feel like, yes, yeah, it goes back to the whole thing about confidence, how you might have a lack of confidence, not know. Um, but you guys are pros, so <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, Semi-pro. Love it. Um, so what is your favorite song off the album to perform live? And why? To perform live. Um, we... Will we have the same song? On the count of three? No, uh, we have this song called Black Diamonds, which is a late track on the record, which is one of my favorite songs. And it's it's not that it's different live, but we've added some elements in, in sort of in the way it's presented live, um, which I always love when bands do, where you still get the core of the song, but there's an intro and an outro and like the middle section is sort of expanded upon. So I think that maybe just that difference is nice and you, it feels like you're not just hammering away at the old song over and over. Uh, so I really like that song and it also happens in this a place in the set where the set's just like ramping up and then it just keeps going. That was one of those ones in the studio where we are like, this is pretty weird but we like it and it's fun. And then, you know, we started sharing the recordings with with friends and stuff they were like whoa like what is this track and no one ever thought it was going to be a single or anything like that but it was just like this has some mojo or something to it and then yeah immediately when we started playing it live same thing crazy crowd response before the record was out before anyone knew it they were just dancing grooving to that song so yeah it's been a it's been a major thing for us but i well, i think my favorite to play is a song called i want it all just because it's it's just heavy big bass and really groovy and it kind of like helps me focus and be present in in the show that's just a that's a good one for me 
Nice. Yeah, I love that. Um, and yeah, I, I really love Black Diamonds. We actually played that at our station. Um, it was like one of like the songs that I want. I because I'm the music director here, so oh, nice. it's one of the ones that I picked uh, to add to our library. So it was really good. Perfect. Um, loved it. Um, and so, what is the uh, craziest thing you've ever experienced at a performance? I don't think we can talk about that. On <laughs> Boy. Like live. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Or even after. Just I can't talk about no? any of it. I mean, <laughs> crazy is relative, isn't it? We can tell some wholesome story about the time that time. What do you remember anything crazy? I'm thinking I'm thinking of negative stories. I need to yeah. like come up with a You know, we we get a lot of we have happened. a lot of great fans and a lot of um uh interesting fans. I mean like people sometimes will come up and they'll have a tattoo of your band or something like that or some, uh, sometimes people will draw these crazy intricate portraits of you or this one guy showed up with boxes and boxes of like food and he knew all of like people's dietary choices and restrictions and they're all like labeled and like crazy stuff and you realize when you do interviews people really pay attention and start to know you mm-hmm. and they know a lot about you or like we had this guy come in Chicago who was like a member of one of the most prestigious golf clubs in Chicago and he knows that I like love golf. It's one of my favorite things. He was like, when you come back, we'll get you on the course. And it's, it's always weird that people, you realize that people get to know you through your music or through your interviews and you realize this sort of persona and this idea of who you are that might not be as true to you as Or you might, might tweet think. something and never think again about it and then someone like rem- reads that and remembers that. And it's like it's part of their understanding of who we are. And yeah, like what we, we do. Like we used to have this song called "L.A. Jesus" that never made it anywhere, and people ask about it all the time because we tweeted about it like twice, which is always bizarre. Um, that said, the the new record and the atmosphere of the record has really changed the uh, demographic that comes to our shows, and so that's we've definitely. Um, I guess what I could say is that because there is this party atmosphere or this idea that we are just endless party guys now, not that we weren't before, but there's this push that we should be like that at all times. So people expect that of you and they want to take you out and they want to people buying a lot of shots, buying a lot (laughs) of everything. And so you end up getting into quite a lot of trouble and this tour more so than ever, like every single night was just, something to either remember or forget and i think that that was was a a real turning point in my life i don't know if i'll ever be the same it gave me a lot of respect for uh, a lot of other artists that maintain the high level of party enthusiasm every single night on stage and off because it's it's all it's quite exhausting i put a a dent in my brain (laughs) we had a a very good time on the road (laughs) That's so funny. Um, So we're almost out of time, unfortunately. But before we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, have a little bucket over here with some fun, like random questions just to get to know you guys better. Um, So do you guys want to maybe both just pick one and answer it? You can just pick them and you can ask it. You you can ask us the question. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So this question is, do you have a nickname? If so, what is it? I don't have a nickname. My, My middle name... I'm not going to tell you my first name, but Wes is my middle name, and it's a short form of my middle name, so it feels kind of like a nickname at all times. But you can, we you can. You don't pass. need a nickname when you have a three-letter yeah. name. You can ask me another yeah, question so if you you're, feel like that's a bust. Yeah, <laughs> your first name's pretty name. boring, so we don't want to expose it. it hurts, man. <laughs> How about you? Do you have a nickname? 
No. No. I, what's up with that? Why do we have nicknames? I don't, because there's only two of us. We don't have, like, a club or, like, a clan in which yeah. we need to, like, differentiate each other. So by, if anyone like, wants to give us nicknames, you can... Uh, please submit them. <laughs> there's an application going out for their nicknames. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's uh, do another one. Okay. Uh, what is a weird habit you have? Both of you guys. It's a weird habit you have. Yeah. Okay. It's I. I felt like you guys would ask me this question. Um, my weird habit is I do my makeup in the dark. Really? Like all so the time. So then every time you turn on the lights, you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. I don't. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's H- really. How weird. do you do that in the dark? How do you well, see what you're not doing? Not like the not like full dark, but like not like I have like a, like a like a dim light on. Like I don't know. How, I don't how know. come? I don't know. I, I just I don't even know. To be honest, it just kind of started, and now I just keep doing it see weird right so if the lights were on would you turn them down like could you put or your makeup on yes here? i could no. put my makeup on in here yeah yeah you sure i'm not scared so, of the for, i'm not scared of the light listening this is a very well-lit room this is very bright <laughs> yes very bright but how about you guys put some pictures up. i answered it now it's your uh, turn i don't know i like i i do wear like hoodies at the gym i know that and i think that i never thought of that as weird but it makes i think it makes me look some like some sort of like Sith Lord or something. I saw like, you doing it once and I was like, I was like, man, that's a good idea. <laughs> Tried it five minutes later. You, no way. It makes you look like a psychopath. I didn't realize it's, that. I just don't want to talk terrible. to anyone. Like I have my headphones in and the, in and up and it's very hot, but it just, it made, I didn't realize. And then somebody the other day was like, you look, I didn't even want to come near you. You look insane. I was like, well, that's kind of the <laughs> point, but, but I didn't realize. I have this weird music related OCD thing where as a guitar player, there's like you know a little volume and tone knob on my guitar, and when I'm playing, when I'm on stage, I check that my volume and tone are at full. Well, like this is not a conscious thing. I think my hand just goes to it probably like a thousand times in a set. Like I just constantly make sure that they're on full, even though the guitar sounds fine and everything's good and gravy. Just if my hand is not strumming, it is ensuring. So I rewired all of his guitars backwards, and now it keeps muting I them. Keep turning them off. Also. To add to me being a psychopath, I also take cold showers. Like I do not. That's crazy. I, I can't handle. I couldn't. I, I couldn't like, do that. like never. My like I couldn't ever take a hot shower. I like if I was to have a romantic shower, it would be like no, I can't. I'm don't. It's too hot. <laughs> I can't do that. It's too hot. Like you go, I'll go after. I aim yeah. to get the water as close to actually burning my skin yeah. as possible without. I just throw some damage. ice cubes in there. I don't. It's, I don't even. It's weird. Can't. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, we're pretty much out of time at this point, but uh, before we wrap up, uh, where can people go to find out more information about you guys? Well, thedarcys.ca, or you can find us on Instagram, the Darcys. Twitter, it's the Darcys. Snapchat, the Darcys. The Darcys. We're on all the we're social on all this platforms. Stuff. We have all the things. <laughs> we're there at Tumblr, the Darcys Music, Tinder, we got Bumble, <laughs> Facebook, Bumble, Fumble. ESPN.com. <laughs> Everywhere. Pro uh, line. Awesome. <laughs> in the cold shower. Auto 649. Yep. Wow. Just wow. a matter. San Francisco Intense. 49ers. <laughs> now we're just naming stuff, okay? No, it was just <laughs> <laughs> But thank you so much, guys, for coming in. It was really fun getting to talk with you guys. That went by so fast. Yeah, we um, should do this in the afternoon next time. Yes, next time, for sure. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, DJ thank you. To find out more about the Darcys and their music, visit their website, thedarcys.ca, and connect with them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also be sure to check out their album Centerfold on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. 
Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nicole DiDonato. This was Arts and Culture on the Morning Mixtape.